Well, hey, I am a new face at this time, and I kind of want to just introduce myself to you guys. Some of you may have seen me actually host, and I kind of, I guess you could say, retired from that, and Erica has taken the ace spot in that. She does a great job. Um, But my name is Sam. I am the youth pastor here at the Midway campus, and it's such an honor to be able to speak to you today and and, and speak this message to you guys and, and allow God to use me. I want to thank the pastors here for allowing me to do this. Um, But I also want to give just a background of who I am so you guys can kind of know me a little more. Again, like I said, my name is Sam Porcaro. I grew up in Racine, Wisconsin. And before you guys start freaking out that I'm a Packer fan, I'm not, okay? Sadly, I'm a Lions fan, all right? It's a struggle here. Chicago, I understand your guys' struggle with it as loving a team so much and them not being good. Trust me, I've known it my entire life. But here, I'm going to actually show you guys a picture of my family. Right here, as you can see, this was at my sister's wedding. And it was such a great day. I actually got to officiate this day. Probably one of the most nervous times I've ever been. Uh, But it was such a great day. As you can see in the middle, that is my sister. And next to her is her husband, Chad. He's an amazing guy. And they live in Tennessee, Yes, she is my younger sister, but that's okay. She got married before me. Also, you can see all the way on the left of the image is my brother, Jackson. As you can tell, we don't really look alike, and that's because he is adopted from Korea. We got him when I was four years old, so all I've ever known is that guy is my brother. I love him so much, and you can also see my parents in this picture. I would not be who I am today, where I am today, without their guidance and just pushing me into stuff like this. Actually, before I got to Chicago, I was a missionary in Hungary for 18 months. So that was also an amazing, amazing opportunity. And how I found this church was online at, I think it was pastors.com or something like that, jobs.com, and I applied And God had his favor in that, and his hand was so in that that I had a conversation with Pastor Josiah, Pastor Josh, and it was such a blessing to be here. So I am so just excited to be your youth pastor here. But before we jump into the message today, I just want to pray. Again, I can bring awesome words. I can say amazing things. But if God's not at the center of it, this really means nothing. So I want to really give this time to God and also in your listening, give that to God that it's not just your my words that you're hearing, but it's that the Holy Spirit is speaking through me to really pierce your heart in a conviction, in a love, whatever you need in this moment. So let's pray. God, we give you this time. We give you this next 30 to 35 minutes. And we ask you do something with it, Lord. I pray it's not just my words that I'm speaking, I pray it's not just words on a screen that I'm reciting, God, but I pray you in your Holy Spirit speak these words and give them life, Lord. I pray every single person watching right now, listening, God, that their ears are open to receive what you have for them today, God. I pray you are at the center and that you get all the glory. Amen. Amen. Well, today we are jumping into our second week of the Dwell series. Last week, We had our pastor speak, and it was an amazing message about dwelling in creation. How did God dwell in creation? And today, I am talking about dwelling in stillness. 
What does that mean? And when I think of the word stillness, it brings me back to a story when I was in high school, okay? You guys will probably hear many more stories like this of me just being dumb. Let's just say that for lack of better terms. And what I used to do was we lived at a house that was kind of on a main street. And me and my friends would take footballs or just Nerf basketballs and we'd throw them over our house and try to hit cars moving. Yes, I know you're shaking your head. My mom's shaking her head right now. Not the best time in my life. But we would throw them over and try to hit these cars and we, we never really would. And I, I, to be honest, I wasn't really trying because I was kind of scared of what would happen. But one time I was like, you know what, I'm going to do this. And I get that. I do the three step back and I throw it over the house. And all I hear is, boom. I was like, oh, oh no. And my friend, let's just say, he was not a real friend. He ran so fast to his house through the backyards. I didn't see him after I heard that sound. So I run into the garage and I'm like, what did I just do? And I happened to hit a car of three college kids that were coming back for summer break. Okay, and these kids got out of this car angry, like saying words I cannot say right now. And I'm in my garage and they walk up my driveway. I, again, as a freshman in high school, I am so nervous. I'm thinking these guys are going to kill me. So I hide behind this thing. And I, I, I tell you guys, I held my breath and stayed as still as possible for two minutes, just like that, hoping they did not see me. And they walked into my garage. And if they would have taken one more step forward, they would have caught me. Now, what would they have actually done? Probably nothing, but in that moment, I'm a dramatic guy, and I thought they were going to kill me. But in that moment is when I think of stillness, quiet, silence. I look back at times like that, and I think sometimes we hear the famous verse, be still and know that I am God, and think of it just as being quiet or not doing anything. And what I want to look at today is that this is a fundamental step in our walk with God. And if I had to put this message into one sentence, into one phrase that you guys could take away, it would be, you will not know God or experience the work of God in your life if you are not still. Now I know that's very intense and we're gonna break that down today. We're gonna break down why we need to be still to know God. It's not just an option, it is a vital step in knowing God. And I want to read part of Psalms 46, which is actually the, the, the chapter that this verse comes from, be still and know that I am God. And there's two themes. There's two people per se brought up. And I want to see what those are. So it's the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolation he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow, shatters the spear, he burns the shield with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted in the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. There are two main people talked about. The first is God and he does all the work. It just said it all. He breaks the spear. He shatters the bow. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. And when are we brought up? The only time we're brought up in any sense is be still and know what he is doing because he is God. So when I say being still is not just an option, 
I'm not just saying that because it's my opinion. This verse is saying that. God does all the work. Our job is to be still and know that he is God. And that's why this is such an important topic. And we're going to go on a journey today. We're going to go through some Old Testament passages. We're going we're gonna to make this point of being still is a priority. But I don't want us to lose why this is so important. So we're going to jump in today. And my first point is stillness is interior. Stillness is interior. Stillness is not just an outward action. It's an inward posture. It's not something you do on the outside. It's actually inward, something that is not seen by man, but only seen by God. And God makes it very clear in scripture that the world is run on noise. And where noise is, God is not center. And I'm not saying worship clapping. I'm saying the doing of life, that I have to do something to earn this. I have to do so much to make myself known in the world. That's the noise that God is not the center of. And an example of this in the Bible is, is the prophets of Baal. And you may have heard of that before. Back in the Old Testament, there was this, the Canaanites. They were a people and they served this God, Baal. And in 1 Kings 18, there's a story of, it was the, the prophet Elijah versus the, the followers of Baal saying, hey, whosoever God brings fire down first is the ultimate God. So Elijah says, okay. And he tells them to, to do what they need to do. And for days, they jump around, they scream, they shout, they do all these things in the physical realm to try to prove that something's going on in the spiritual. They were doing these things. They were cutting their arms. They're screaming until they would almost pass out. But nothing happened. And then what does Elijah do? He steps forward and just asks God to do what he can do. And God brings the fire down. Again, I'm not saying noise in itself is bad, but the point I'm trying to get is this. The most happens within the inner heart of the man. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Stillness is not an outward action. It is an inward posture. So I want to ask us a question today. Why do you clap in church? Why do you sing? Why do you jump? Why? And don't get me wrong. I grew up in a clapping church, jumping around, singing. That was what I grew up on. But the question that we have to ask ourselves is why? If we're doing that to somehow show that God is moving in our life, or if we're trying to make noise in church to hide inner hurt or God trying to convict us to, hey, you need to tell someone about this and you use singing and clapping to make it look like you're okay. That's not right. Clapping is an extension of what God is doing on the inside. God saved you. God saved me. So I clap. It's an extension. It's a response to that, but it's not the first thing we do. And I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to be in a place where there's noise. I want to be in a place where God is. 
I don't want to be in a place where a lot's going on on the outside. I want to be in a place where God is at the center. So again, as we talk about this, as we talk about stillness being a vital step, stillness is interior. That's the first point. And my second point is stillness is surrender. Being still is not just doing nothing like in my story. I sat there and I was quiet, right? I was quiet on the outside, but that's not what God talks about when he says, be still and know that I am God. And we're gonna break down what this, this word for be still originally was. And I know sometimes you hear Pastor Josiah, Pastor Mark, maybe Pastor Josh or Pastor Mike talk about the original text either in Greek or Hebrew. And we don't do that to just like flex our knowledge of like, oh, we know what this is. It's to better understand what the word actually means. If any of you in this room or in this at your house speak Spanish and English, sometimes you know when someone asks, oh, what, what were you saying? It's like, I, I don't know the exact word, so I'm gonna kind of give a, a phrase that is similar. That's what happens in things like this. And, and if we take the word be still at face value, it just means be still and do nothing, right? But in the Hebrew, it means a lot more. So that's why we do that. And I'm gonna break that down right now. The, the meaning of the Hebrew word, I'm not even gonna try to say what it is because I will butcher it. But it means properly cast down to let fall, to let hang down, to be relaxed, especially the hands. And when I read that for the first time, man, that was a, a holy slap to the face, especially in the hands. Why? What are the main parts of our body that we do everything with? Our hands. We do everything with our hands. I'm holding this mic with my hands. I drink water with my hands. I type. I work with my hands. We do that. But God is saying here, be still means to put your hands down and relax. Stop doing. And the second, the second part of this is it also employs the sense of not making an effort, not putting forth exertion, and then would express the idea of leaving matters with God. Leaving matters with God. And you can only be fully surrendered when you're brought to the end of yourself. When you have to put your arms down. Isaiah 30, 15 through 16 is a perfect example of this. It says, this is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. Doesn't that kind of seem counterintuitive or opposites in, in quietness and trust is your strength? Yes, that's what God says. And the next part says, but you would have none of it. So in this, in this verse, in the context, God is warning Judah, the people of Israel, do not look to other countries or other people around you to find military might. And if you do, it will be bad. And what they did is they did that exactly. They said, you know what, God? Ah, we trust you, but like, there's a lot going on on this, on this the, the physical realm that we do have to go to other people to find military strength. And what were they brought to? They were brought to the end of themselves. And sometimes we think the Old Testament God is this angry father who doesn't love, and the New Testament 
God is this loving guy. I wanna let you know right now that our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. And verse 18 is perfect. It says, yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion. God is saying at the end of yourself is where you find him. At the end of yourself, when you've exhausted all the stuff that you've done, all you're doing, all you're trying, when you're at the last second, that's where God is. Stillness is surrender. And when do people surrender? Do people surrender when they have other options? Do people tap out in MMA or UFC when they have other options to do? No, they tap out, they wave the white flag when they have nothing else to do. They've tried it all. They are at the end of themselves. And God is saying in this verse, that's where you meet me. You meet me when you put your hands down and you surrender and you submit and say, God, I can't do this myself. I've tried everything when no one else is around you and everyone in your life has left. God is there. And that does not give you the option to just, well, I'll just sing because God will always meet me there. No, no, no. It should actually bring us to a place of such a love of God that we want to turn away from that stuff. When we tried it, it did nothing. But God will meet you at the end of yourself. Stillness is not just being quiet. Stillness is surrendered to God, knowing only he can be the center. Only he is the one that can bring your life purpose. Only he is the one that is worthy of your worship. That's what stillness is. And again, as we are on this journey of why is being still so vital? First, we had stillness is interior. It's on the inside. And secondly, it's surrender. Putting your hands down and saying, God, I give it to you. And lastly, stillness is worship. Stillness is worship. And to better understand this, to better understand stillness and worship and how they go hand in hand, we must look at the first temple. This was the place where God was to dwell with his people. God gave these plans to David, King David, these plans. Guys, this temple took 13 years to build. Every single measurement of the whole place was written down. God did not miss a detail in this temple. 13 years to build. He ended up having to pass it off to his son Solomon to build it. 13 years, not one detail was left out. And when we read these things, when we read about the first temple, we need to realize that we are that temple now. The Old Testament is all pointing to the greater fulfillment, the greater sacrifice, which is Jesus. And now in light of that, in 1 Corinthians 3.16, it says, don't you know that you yourself are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? So as we read these verses and we, we go even longer on this journey, we need to read it through the eyes of us being this temple now. Our life is a temple now. So we're gonna read from 1 Kings 6, starting in verse seven, it says, in the building, the temple, only blocks dressed at the quarry or dressed is made, created, built, were used. No hammer, chisel, or any other iron tool was heard at the temple site while it was being built. And there's significance to that for two reasons. One, in that time, noise 
was put hand in hand with war, fighting, doing. And God made it very clear that, that that's not what we're doing here. We're not making noise at this temple. It was a reverence to God. The stillness, the quiet was a reverence to God. And as we read this, again, we read this Old Testament in the light of us being that temple now. All the work was done in the quarry on a hill and the foundations of that temple were brought down and built. Does that remind you of anything? What Jesus did on the cross, on the hill, he brought down the foundations of our faith, of Christianity in itself. The work was done. The noise was made on the hill so we don't have to do that anymore. That's the point of the gospel. Jesus did the work. He made the foundations. We can't do that. And that's why there was such silence in that place. There was no noise that could be heard because the work was done on the hill. Let's go to the next verse, verse nine. So he built the temple and completed it, roofing it with beams and cedar planks. The cedar did two things. The cedar covered the top of the temple, the most holy of holy places, as well, and it protected it from weather or for other people trying to break it. And it also made it quiet. It made it still. It allowed God's presence to be there. That's what it did. That was, that was its job. And again, as we read this in light of what Jesus did, I want to remind you, the only thing that covers you is the cross. That's it. That's the only thing that can protect you, that can make you still. It's the cross. That's it. And just for a little extra, most scholars do believe that a lot of the cross was made of cedar, the same thing that covered the temple. The cross covers you. It's the only thing that can protect you. It's the only thing that can make you still. It's the only thing that allows God to dwell in you, just like the first temple. And what was at the center of this temple, you may ask? The holy of holies. Only certain people could go in at certain times. They could only be in there for certain amounts of time. Because why? God's presence was there. And in light of what Jesus did on that cross, now God is not stuck in the parameters of a holy of holy place. He is now in your life if you believe in him. That is amazing. God lives inside of you. That same holy of holies is inside of you. And if we let God do what only he can do, and we do our part, and we become still, quiet, we put our hands down, we will look better day after day for his glory. If you take those steps and you say, God, I'm gonna trust you today, I'm putting my hands down. God, I trust you today. Even though all this stuff on the outside is telling me I have to make noise to prove something, God, I'm gonna take steps day by day, and if you allow God to be the center of your life, if you let it be known that it's not an outside appearance, it's surrendering to God, that's when true worship starts. And two chapters later, the queen of Sheba comes. She was a rich queen. I mean, rich, rich. Like she was 
had so much money. She had her own palace. When she came and visited in 1 Kings 10, she was in awe of the temple. Why? Was it because of the gold? No, she had that. Was it because of the building architecture? Maybe a little bit, but she also had that. What was the difference? The only difference was that God's presence was there. That's what brought her to awe. It wasn't the outside stuff. It was something is different about this place than my place. It may look the same. It may do the same things. It may bring me glory, but this place is different because God's presence was there. Isn't that our testimony? I was messed up, jacked up, just like every other human being. But the thing that makes me different now is not my doing, is not my, my own accomplishments. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. That's it. It's the same thing. And once the temple was done, the glory of the presence, people realized that there was a difference. So why do we become still? because God calls us to, and it brings people to him. If you are truly still in your life, people in your life will see you different. What's different about this guy? Why is he so calm? Why is he so still? Why is he not always trying to do? Because God is at the center. All arguments fail when God is there. All things of us trying to do end when God is there. And in the midst of that, in that stillness, in that quietness, there's a confidence that makes you want to dance. There's a confidence that makes you want to raise your hands and worship the God of all. Stillness is worship. And as we end today, as we wrap up and we close this message in this time, I want to ask you to do something. And I'll be honest, it's a little different. As I was writing this message and I felt like God was, was calling me to do this, I was nervous. I was like, God, that's, that's a little uncomfortable. But I am very confident that I am supposed to do this because God brought me to 2 Kings 22. And I, again, you will see that I, I am an emotional person. It's just what I am. When I read these verses, it convicted me so much and brought me closer to God. 2 Kings 22, verses 8 through 10, what's being brought up here is this is years after Solomon, the temple's built. And Solomon lost his way and the temple became a place of noise. It looked the same on the outside, but something crucial was missing. So at this time, the, the king at the time decides a cleaning of the temple because they realized how much in ruin they were. They were like, something in this temple has to, has to help us. And in verses 8 through 10, the servant who is cleaning brings this book to, the, to the, the prophet at the time, the priest and the king, and say, hey, I found this book, and I, I don't really know what it is, but it, it says the book of the law. And what that was, was that was God's words to his people. Guys, the words of God were lost in the place it was supposed to be kept safest. It was lost. It was there. It was in the temple. But because of all the noise and all the doing and all the festivals, it was lost in the place it was supposed to be kept safest. 
And as soon as the king heard those words from those books, he tore his clothes and they changed the next day. He implemented what those words said because it was God's words to his people. And I have to ask myself and us, every single person watching, a very sobering question. Have we allowed the noise of the world, the noise of our lives, the noise of doing, muffle the words and works of God in your life? That's not a fun question to answer, but I had to ask myself that. Have I allowed the noise of life, the noise of doing, to muffle the words and work of God in my life? And we're going to do this time a little bit differently. What I'm going to ask you to do, even right now where you are, I'm going to do it as well. I'm going to ask you, if you can, to get on your knees. And again, Pastor Mark talks about this all the time. It's not an outward action of this. It's, this is a representation of what's going on on the inside. This is saying, God, I'm surrendering my hands down. I'm done trying to put myself at your level because I'm not. And in this worship song, I'm going to ask you to do something. Most of the time, when the worship team starts singing, we stand up, okay, it's time to sing, and we sing. And that's not a bad thing. But I'm asking you, is your heart ready to do that? Have you quieted your soul? Have you stopped trying to do and actually worship God? So I'm going to ask you, for a minute or two, in the beginning of this next worship song, I want you to get on your knees, and I want you to go through all the things we talked about today. God I realize worship is not an outward act. It's an inward posture. And my worship is an extension of that. God, I surrender not just my life. I surrender every single day to you. Everything that you want me to do. When the world tells me to do so much stuff, God, I surrender and I put my hands down. I quiet my soul and I give you control, God. So I'm going to pray and we're going to go into this worship song and I'm going to ask you for the first minute or two of the worship song, do that. And when you are ready to worship God, I want you to stand and I want you to clap and I want you to jump and I want you to, to shout for joy what Jesus has done, but make sure our hearts are ready. So God, we come to you right now. I come to you. God, I may be a pastor but I'm still a broken human being that needs you every single day. So I make the claim right now over my life and every single person watching God as they echo, God, this is not my life. I put my hands down. I quiet myself. I stop trying to do, I stop trying to make things work. I'm gonna stop that, God, and I put it at your feet, God. And I surrender because I've tried everything else. And nothing works like you do, God. So I come to the end of myself and I give you everything, God. I pray for every single person watching right now, Lord Jesus, wherever they're watching, in their car, in their living room, in the room, God. Show them areas of their life that they need to surrender over, God. And as they're on their knees right now, God, I pray you meet them at the end of their selves, God. 
And when they stand up to worship, it's not just an act of doing. It's not showing anyone that we're holy or that we love God so much. It's an extension of what's going on on the inside. God, I'm taking my eyes off of what's in front of me. I'm putting it on you and giving you all the glory. So God, as this worship song plays, Lord, I pray we silence our hearts. I pray we still ourselves and we give you everything. Amen.